I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Thank you all for being here today, especially our guest. I do hope you'll stop by uh, the table out in the lobby and pick up a complimenting copy of the story. It is an abridged copy of the Bible, as Pastor Nancy said, and we're looking through it the whole year. Now, we're breaking that down in some mini-series, and the series that we're in now is called Soundtrack. And you can just imagine if your life story, like a movie, had a soundtrack... <laughs> What would be on that? What kind of songs uh, or, or sounds would be uh, accompanying your life? And so we've been kind of digging into that and glad to do that this week and next week. And then a couple of weeks from today, we're going to start a new series called Monsters. And we're going to talk about the things that are in life that try to attack us spiritually and how we can be ready for that and, and to be on guard for that. And we're going to do some fun things with that. Each week, we're going to look at a different monster. And we're going to invite the children of our church to draw those monsters. And uh, we'll pick a winner each week and have a really neat prize. And we're going to do that through our Facebook page. And so I invite you to check out our South Park, uh, South Park Church Facebook page. If you have children or grandchildren who'd like to go ahead and get ready to, to learn what we're going to be doing, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we are in chapter 13 this week of the story, and uh, so I invite you to read chapter 14 for next week. So late yesterday afternoon, I was upstairs with my boys. We've been watching some television, and my wife Laura was downstairs, and I heard this incredibly loud boom! Sounded like my roof had exploded, scared me half to death, and Laura's yelling up from downstairs, you guys okay? What's going on? And the boys were fine, and I was fine. I'm trying to figure out what was that noise? It, I mean, it was loud, and it shook the house, and I'm just thinking, uh-oh, is there something that I've done to do this? Uh, it was earlier in the day, I shifted my HVAC from heat to cool, and I'm like... <laughs> It's a new system. We got it put in last year. The guy had been out already earlier this year to check it out, get ready for the conversion. I'd flipped it over, and I'm thinking, you know, was there some kind of long, slow damage being done that we didn't know about? And then it finally just blew off the roof. So, you know, like with fear and trepidation, like pull down the attic stairs and poke my head up there, and the roof's fine. I'm like, whew, thank goodness. Then I heard another Boom! And it just sounded like my roof was going to blow off again. So I was like, boys, let's go outside and see what's going on. And by this point, my neighbors are outside. They're all looking around, and we don't see anything on fire or anything. And there's, it wasn't a sonic boom. There are not any jets going by. So we're trying to figure out what's going on. I'm just glad it wasn't me that blew up my own house. So that was a good thing. Uh, so later in the evening, I was on social media, and we have like the next door neighbor where you get linked to all of your neighbors who want to sign up for that. And people are like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Here's what happened. Somebody in our neighborhood talked to the sheriff and found out that uh, some folks in the neighborhood next to ours, a really nice neighborhood, gated community, uh, they had some explosive targets that you shoot at. And they hit them. <laughs> and so evidently they're legal to buy. And so you put them and you shoot them. And so instead of having to check the target, it just blows up and you know that you hit your target. And uh, it worked really well. <laughs> and so uh, I'm sure they were surprised when the police showed up at their house later that day. <laughs> and uh, but I mean, it just gave me like this, this big scare. And, you know, sometimes in life, I think sometimes, you know, these sudden things happen but they don't just suddenly happen. That there's something that kind of has has led up to that. And, and you ever you ever experienced that? Like sometimes you just wake up and, and you and you realize something that's happened in your life that that's been going on for a long time, but it suddenly becomes real to you. And you're like, how did I get to this point? in my life. And for some of us, it's those milestone birthdays. So how did I get to be 40? How did I get to be 50? How did I get to be 80? How did I get to be 90? And or some of us, maybe it's, you know, how'd my hair fall out? Or how'd my hair turn gray? And, you know, those are things we can't control. But 
But I think sometimes there are some things that we can control that we, we either have been denying or we just haven't been paying attention to. And one day it just hits us that, that, that we're at the end of a long trail that, <clears throat> that hasn't been a good trail. Excuse me. You know, uh, you know I'm thinking about like, uh, how did I get to be such a grouch? Right? I, I used to be so happy and it just seems like I, I don't remember when I, 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 I've been happy. Right? How, how did this happen? I, you know, how, when was it that to go to sleep at night, uh, I had to start taking a drink? And, and, and then the next night to get to sleep, I, I had to start taking a drink. And how long have I been doing this? When did I get in such bad shape? I mean, I'm just, I'm so out of shape. And I haven't been really eating well. I hadn't been exercising, but it couldn't have been that long, could it? <laughs> wow, I, I just, I'm not in, in, in a good position or when was it that to get good grades in school that the only way that I can get those good grades is that I have to somehow cheat and be dishonest? When did I stop studying and, and, and how, have, how has it come to this pressure that the only way that I, I can succeed is, is by, by, by cheating? Have you ever had one of those experiences where, where you, you just wake up and, and all of a sudden you realize that things haven't been really good in a long time? How, how have I become so lonely? Why am I not speaking to this person or to that person who's meant so much to me in my life? How, how have we not spoken in weeks or months or years? And what is it that we're fighting about? And why, why, how am I so alone? Or maybe do we sometimes stop and think, is there something going on in my life right now that I'm just you know, not aware of or denying and that, that things are falling apart and, and I'm just being blind to them and at some point it's all going to explode? right? How do we get to that point in our lives where things are really out of control or off the rails or not in a good spot and, and it's just kind of been just, we don't know when it got there, but all of a sudden it's real to us. I don't know about you, but I have those moments and I look back and I wonder, how did I get here and how can I avoid something like this happening to me again? How, how do we do that? How do we offset that? How do we put things in place to where we're not going to get slowly into a lot of trouble? Well, fortunately, God has something to say about that. And I think that God knows this is part of the human condition. And, and that's why he tells us in, in these stories, these true stories in the Bible. And he had people write them down as they were lived out so that we can learn from them and that we can find wisdom from God's word so that we can avoid putting ourselves in some difficult situations. Or if we're in a difficult situation, that God can help us get out of that difficult situation. So today I'm grateful for the story of Solomon. And Solomon lived about 970 years before Jesus was born is kind of when we're talking about today. And as we read this week, as we saw in the video, Solomon was the third king of Israel. There was Saul, then was David, and now there's Solomon. David was God's great king of Israel. He started out really well. He had a bunch of trouble in the middle, but he finished his story really well. And now he's dead. He's passed on the kingdom to Solomon. The kingdom of Israel is as big as it's ever been. It's strong. It's militarily strong and politically sound, and, and, and it's pretty much a time of peace. And Solomon has some, some time on his hands to think about what kind of a king am I going to be? How am I going to lead the nation of Israel now? And, and so God comes to Solomon, and he says, Solomon, I'll, I'll give you whatever you want. What is it that you want? 
Now, it's a good thing that Solomon didn't talk to Kyle Thompson asking him what he wants because I wouldn't have answered it as well as Solomon. I wonder if any of us would. You know, Solomon could have said, give me lots of money, give me lots of fame, you know, give me a really cool house, you know, make me forever young, give me some six-pack abs, help me eat donuts and never get fat. You know, what is it that you and I would wish for if God said, I will give you whatever you want? Well, Solomon said, God, I want to be wise, which is kind of an interesting answer because he already had wisdom to ask for wisdom, didn't he? I mean, that is incredibly wise. And so some of God was already inside of Solomon. So God's like, of course, I will give you wisdom and I'll throw in fame and fortune on top of that. And so Solomon was this great king and he had all of this wisdom. And, you know, he's he's attributed to have written the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. If you ever want to read wisdom sayings, you know, just really smart things and go to Proverbs. It's like everyday wisdom. And, you know, Solomon is the one who's supposed to have written that. And he just did awesome things. And we read about, we saw, you know, the two women uh, who were living and sharing a same house that each had a baby uh, and one night in the night one of the, the women's baby died and, and she was you know brokenhearted over that and so she switched babies with the other lady's baby and of course when she wakes up and, and finds the dead baby she knows that's not her baby and so you know long story short they get taken before King Solomon and he's the great king who's going to decide this and you know he said well if, you, if we can't figure this out we'll cut the child in half and of course the mother's like no no let her have it and the other lady's like yeah that's fine go ahead and cut him in half so Solomon displayed his wisdom and he does that for most of all of his life. He he built the great temple of God. We've got a picture of, of a model of what that looked like. And you can see it. it it's, a, it's in the center of the city of Jerusalem. And you see how big it is. And if you remember for you know all the time we've been reading the Old Testament, most of that, the people of Israel worshiped in a tent. And so God finally gets a house, you know, it's like a national church where everybody comes to worship. And Solomon builds that. His, his father, David, raised all the money. It took seven years to build it, 180,000 workers to do that, 4,000 supervisors. And then, he, you know, he built himself a palace. And so all these foreign dignitaries would come from around the world to see Solomon and all of his glory. Uh, Queen uh, Sheba came to see him and just all these amazing things. He was the wealthiest and the most famous wise king or, or leader in all of the world. But we fast forward to the end of Solomon's story and God is angry with Solomon. And he's been coming to Solomon more than once to call him out on something that he's been doing. Uh, and God is so upset with Solomon that he says to him, Solomon, from your son, who's going to be king after you, I'm going to rip away the king, uh, kingdom of Israel. And in fact, the kingdom of Israel is going to be torn in half because of you and how you have strayed from me. And so your son is going to be king for a short time. Then he's going to be removed. And then the whole kingdom is going to be split right down the middle. So how is it that we go from Solomon having all of this wisdom, building God's temple, you know, doing all these amazing things, writing the book of Proverbs to the end of his life where he's lost it all and he's messed up everything for his son and the generations that are going to follow. Where did Solomon go wrong? 
Well, today we're going to be in the first book of Kings in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles with you uh, or your tablets or your phones with your Bible apps, we're going to be in First King, First uh, Kings chapter 11. Uh, and we're going to look at a few verses there. Uh, so Saul, Solomon, again, is the third king of Israel. We had Saul, David, and Solomon. And we're getting ready to have a ton of kings. And some of these kings are going to be good kings, but most of them are going to be bad kings. And we're going to look at that for the next couple of weeks. So we're going to be in, in this area of the Bible for a while. But let's look at 1 Kings 11, uh, starting with, uh, with verse 1, to see where it was that Solomon blew it and, and how he got into trouble. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. He had married the Pharaoh of Egypt's daughter. It's a political kind of relationship. Uh, and he also loved other women who were Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, uh, Sidonians, and Hittites. And they were from nations about which the Lord had said to the Israelites, You must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after other gods. Right, so these other nations worship false gods, and Solomon loves all these women from these nations. And so God's word that he's going to be taken away and, and to worship gods that don't exist. And so nevertheless, Solomon held fast uh, to them in love. We continue on with verse 3. He had 700 wives of royal birth. Let me say that 699 mistakes right there. What are you thinking, dude? That is dumb. Uh, and he had 300 concubines. If you don't know what a concubine is, that's someone that all their responsibility was was to sleep with the king. Right? So that's human trafficking 3,000 years ago, and that's really sad. And his wives led him astray, not because they were women, but because they worshipped false gods because that's how they were raised to, to do things. So as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. Now, if you remember last week, David was a great king. He started out well. He had some really bad time in the middle, um, but he repented. He turned away from that. God forgave him, and he finished strong. Solomon, however, started out well, uh, but he is not going to finish well at all. And it says later in his life, his wives were able to sway him from God to worship false gods. And that's bad enough as an individual, but when you're the leader of the nation of God, that is really bad. And so, you know, how was it that Solomon moved from the great king, the wise king, for most all of his life to finally, you know, building altars for false gods, worshiping false gods? Uh, I don't think that happened overnight. I think it was like this kind of slow, slow process in which his wives just, you know, slowly got him to turn to do this. And Moses, when he wrote the, the law of God that God gave him in the book of Deuteronomy, he predicted that the people of Israel would ask for a king. And he said, when kings come, they should not multiply their silver and gold, their horses or their wives which is exactly what Solomon did. And so he wasn't following the law of Moses. David, in fact, did that himself. And so, um, so it kind of sets things up for a big problem. Does anybody here like to eat frog legs? Anybody? I've never had them. Is it true they taste like chicken? <laughs> okay. Well, that, okay. So uh, I'm told 
that it, you can put a frog, a live frog, in a pot of water, and you can slowly turn up the heat, and the frog won't jump out until the point that the heat's hot enough to cook the frog, uh, and he dies. Now, that'd be very inhumane, and I hope no one ever has to do that or does do that. But evidently, biologically, it's true. You can put a frog in a pot, slowly turn up the heat, and the frog is cooking to death and doesn't realize what's happening until, of course, it's too late. Um, and so that, I think, is what happened to Solomon. I think that he just day after day, you know, his wives, hey, Solomon, you know, let me, let me tell you about this God that we worship. Or, hey, why don't you just come watch one of our services? Or, you know, hey, you know, we could use some money to put an altar up. You know, I mean, I just wonder what that slow progression was to get Solomon to kind of, you know, from worshiping God only, building the big temple for God, to now building other altars for these false gods and worshiping them to the point that God was so mad that he's going to take the kingdom away from Solomon's heirs and split Israel in two, right? So I don't think Solomon just woke up one day and said, hey, I'm just going to totally, you know, betray God. I think it's just like this, this slow progression uh, that led Solomon to do that. The writer C.S. Lewis, the Christian writer C.S. Lewis, uh, wrote a fictional book called The Screwtape Letters. Uh, and in that, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a work of fiction but what it is, is there's a demon, and his name is Screwtape, and he's writing letters to his younger demon nephew, Wormwood, and teaching him how to be a, a really good demon and how to lead people away from God. And I want to read you a passage. Again, this is just fiction. This is C.S. Lewis, but, but this is uh, some advice uh, that the older demon gives to his younger nephew and how to lead people away from God. And this is what he says. He says, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts, right? We don't see big green signs on the road that says, hell, 666 miles ahead, right? It <laughs> sneaks up uh, and kind of captures us. And so that's exactly what's happened to Solomon. You know, we're, we're thinking about a soundtrack. So, so if Solomon um, were closer to our era today, I don't know if you've ever heard the, the song by the group Fog Hat. Slow ride, take it easy. Bum, 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 bum. Right, that would probably be Solomon's soundtrack, right? He was on this slow ride to hell, this slow ride to, to turning away from God, and it cost him big time. It cost him big time. When I meet with uh, young couples or, or any age couples who are not yet married and, and they've asked me to marry them and I you know, kind of walk them through some premarital counseling, uh, one thing that I have them read and discuss is, is this article called The Anatomy of Adultery. Uh, and it's an article that is written by people who actually got involved in affairs uh, that ended their marriages. And, and, and they just want other people to know how it happened so that, that people can learn from their mistakes and not do that. And, and the ones in all this study, you know, it was never this sudden thing of, hey, I'm going to wake up and throw away my marriage today. Uh, that's not how it worked. It, 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 was, it was slow and it was incremental and it was different for everybody, but it's just small things like, you know, find, you, you meet someone and uh, they have a similar interest in, in something that you have and, and, and you begin to take interest in them. Or, 
Or you find yourself, you know, you know, slowly uh, flirting with them or, or teasing them or, or, or mentally beginning to compare them with, with your spouse, right? This person's so, so much nicer than my spouse. They listen to me. They get me. And, and my spouse doesn't do that. And you, you find yourself looking forward to spending just, you know, a few minutes maybe at work or out in the neighborhood with them. And I just, I, I can't wait. I know it's only two minutes, but I, I just can't wait to, to spend time with them and and, and and they begin to like be you know a little bit dishonest with their their spouse. Well, you know who was at the work party this week? You know how did that go? And you mentioned everybody at the work party with the exception of the person that you've become interested in. And and so you know it's it's these slow steps, and and pretty soon it's wham bam. You've given your life and your heart and your body to someone else, uh, and and your life's ruined. Slow ride. Take it easy. So what? So what is, is the point? What is God trying to teach us? What, what's the big idea today? Right? I think that we can learn a lot from this scripture. But I, I think the so what answer today is that how we finish matters more than how we start. How we finish matters more than how we start. Can you say that with me? How we finish matters more than how we start. Solomon started out well. He asked for wisdom. That was a sign of wisdom. He, he displayed that wisdom. He wrote a book of the Bible. He was a great king for most of his life. He built the temple of God. He was a rock star for God, but he finished horribly. Now, his father started out well. He had a terrible batch in the middle, but he was able to finish strong. So what is the difference between David? What's the difference between Solomon? How we finish matters much more than how we start. How we finish matters more than how we start. So, well, how do we finish well then? How do we finish well? How did David finish well? What are some of the things that we can do to ensure if we're in a, in a, in a pot of water that's getting cranked up to high heat, how can we jump out of that, right? Now, what do we do? Well, we don't want to get cooked, do we? All right? So don't get cooked. Take a look at the temperature of your water. We need to take a look at the temperature of the water in our lives. What, what, what's the temperature of my relationships? What, what's the temperature of my physical health? What's the temperature of my emotional health? What's the temperature of my spiritual health? Sometimes we just literally have to take a time out and, and be intentional about this to take the temperature of our water to find out if we're in boiling water, then we need to get out. We need to hop out and jump as fast as we can. If it's just getting lukewarm and it's just starting to crank up, we need to get out of the pot before we are cooked. So we need to take the temperature of the water in our life. And, and here's a few ways maybe that we can do that. We think about frog, and that's an easy thing to remember. You know, the acronym frog, fully rely on God. Maybe it starts out with, God, open my eyes. Show me, am I in any hot water? Am I in any lukewarm water that could get into hot water, God, in my relationships, with my emotions, with my physical body, with, with myself spiritually? And Lord, speak to me. 
I think another thing that we can do is, is, is ask people around us who know us well, who we trust, and hopefully who are believers in Jesus, can you help me assess my life and help me take my temperature? Because sometimes I can be blind to things, but I want you to be honest with me. Remember last week, King David, God sent him a man named Nathan to speak truth into his life. I think that was the difference between David and Solomon. David listened to Nathan. Right? God gave Solomon similar opportunities, but, but David listened to Nathan and it helped him turn his life around. Like, you know what, Nathan, you're right. I am blowing it and I don't want to finish like that. And so David finished well. Solomon didn't listen to his Nathans. Who are the Nathans in your life that you can go to and, and ask them that? And, then, and finally, just be honest with yourself. Right? How are my relationships? And go through each of the major relationships in your life. How am I taking care of my body? How am I taking care of my emotions? How am I nurturing my relationship, my spiritual relationship with God? So what I would challenge all of us to do this week is to take the temperature of our water. And maybe we do one thing a day. Right? One thing a day. One day is spiritual water temperature. One day is physical. Uh, one day is emotional. One day is relational. And you have a few days in between to kind of figure it out. Right? What is the temperature of the water in our lives? Are we getting cooked? Are we in a hot pot that we need to get out of? Right? How we finish matters much more than how we start. It's not too late so don't get cooked. Right? We, we don't want to be the, the frog legs uh, in the devil's stew. Right? We don't want to take that slow ride. We, we want to be on God's ride. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, I don't know, but I'm guessing. I, I just wonder when Jesus was on the cross, if the, a thought came to him that said, how in the world did I get here? How in the world did I get here? Because you know that Jesus had to have known for, I don't know, millennia that he was going to end up there because God knows everything, right? But, but when you're in that moment and he's hanging on the cross and he's been tortured and he's seeing people just make fun of him, and I'm guessing a human part of him was like, how in the world did I get here? But then there's another part of him that says, I know how I got here and I'm glad I'm here, not for me, but I'm glad I'm here for everyone else because Jesus came into the world so that you and I can jump out of those hot, hot boiling pots. So that when we're in a bad relationship with God, right, we, we can get into a good relationship with God. We, we can be forgiven and we can have our guilt and our shame replaced with joy and peace. We can live forever in the kingdom of heaven. We can live life to the full now. Right? Some of our relationships can be repaired. We can get out of those hot pots. Right? If we don't stop and, and take the temperature, if we allow ourselves to get boiled and, and, and just cooked, then that's just kind of spitting on Jesus, who's on the cross, who died for us. Right? He, he came to give us life to the full, not to be baked in a pot. Amen. How we finish, brothers and sisters, is much more important than how we start. So don't get cooked. Take a look at the temperature of your water this week. How we finish is much more important than how we start. So finish well with Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.